The Seattle Seahawks ruined Russell Wilson's homecoming on Monday night football. Broncos lose to those Seattle Seahawks. And we're opening up the Peacock and Williamson mailbag on today's episode of Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day it's what we do we come at you and we don't stop and today's episode is brought to you by price picks price picks is daily fantasy made easy pick two to five players if they score more or less than their prize pick projection you can win up to 10 times your money on your first entry so uh, first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with promo code locked on that's prizepicks.com promo code locked on Okay, Matt, Monday night football week one is in the books. It was a bizarre week. And just a reminder that we remind ourselves of every year. We think things are going to be chalky. We think things from the year before are going to translate into the new season. And sometimes they do, but sometimes it takes a while. And just a just another reminder, take those home dogs. We didn't take enough of them this week. Yeah, I think you're right on that. You know, I mean, all all it's off season to prepare at home, no travel, you know, fatigue, crowd noise, emotion, Russell Wilson coming back, getting booed. All those things, I think, were massive factors in this one. Denver didn't play a lot of their top guys in the preseason. I'm going to try to make a mental note to bet against teams like the Rams, Bengals, Broncos that didn't play their studs in week one because I think that matters. All that being said, though, Denver's got to be kicking themselves not winning this football game. I mean, the clock management stuff at the end was bonkers. But just some stats to me that just show that Denver was really the better team here if they're not fumbling the ball away at the goal line and, you know, delay a game penalties and poor communication and bad coaching decisions. I mean, they lose a turnover battle, but only by one. Uh, they had a dozen penalties for over a hundred yards. That's terrible. You know, and some, many of them were self-inflicted, but they still averaged over a yard and a half more per play than they allowed. They had the football for close to 34 minutes, you know, some strange things though. I mean, 11 targets for Javante Williams. I mean, <laughs> so hold yeah. On. I, yeah. I want to get to some of those. Uh, yeah details about the, the the statistics in the passing game and, and how things went with with these two teams but uh, you mentioned something that we've got to cover first and that is the clock management at the end of the game and Weird. do you agree with Peyton Manning on the Manning cast where he was like uh timeout guys timeout D- did you believe that they should have taken a timeout figured out their best play with a minute left on the clock gone for it on fourth and five to give themselves a better shot because when I first saw the kicking team run on the field it was like okay Broncos you know mile high it's a it's a long field goal but it's makeable and I was like well wait a second 
this is a sea level. They're in Seattle right now. They're not in Denver. Like you're playing for the 64 yard field goal. That right. That's never like the real way to go about things. And then wasting time because if you're going to miss the field goal, you need an opportunity to use your three timeouts that you weren't using and get the ball back potentially. So that's uh, that. That was a really curious way to end the football game, and it's not a great spot to be in fourth and five. And I understand the idea that. Well, at least you give yourself a chance to win if you make the field goal, but I think it's a better chance to win. I think it's a better chance that you're going to get five yards than make that 64-yard field goal at sea level. By far and away. Yeah, I mean, the sea level thing's a good point that I didn't think about. But just in general, I mean, settling – I'll even lower the bar. I mean, settling, and putting that in quotes, for a 50-plus yarder to either win or lose your football game, if you have any other options – to me is the wrong choice, you know, let alone a 64 yarder. I mean, if it was a 50, a 55, that's still low chance of success rate. I mean, uh, I, I think they totally botched this and you had a good point yesterday. A lot of the rookie head coaches out coach some of the Wiley veterans total flip on this one. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. It, 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 uh, Pete Carroll had to be laughing. And oh, man. It, <laughs> it, that, that was and, and look, I, I don't know if maybe there's too much. Maybe some of these quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and we saw it with the Panthers and the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Those revenge games didn't go well. And we thought, oh, man, this is setting up for those quarterbacks to go in and just torch their old teams. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And I, I, we said this going into this show. Should we overreact around week one? We can tell ourselves that we shouldn't, but we always will because it's the only thing we have to watch. But there were some concerning things here, and we had a list of teams that I'm more worried about now than yesterday or than the you know a couple days ago. And you know, Dallas headlined it, New England, Tennessee. But I might put Denver there with who? Who are the other two? San Francisco and somebody else. Where eh, I'm raising an eyebrow here that this should have gone better for them. Uh, the Cardinals was another Cardinals. One. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by and the way, they might be blips on the radar for those teams, but we'll see, you know. By the way, you mentioned the Cowboys more on Dak and two different messages oh, yeah. from the head coach and the owner there of the Dallas Cowboys on, on how they feel about their quarterback position going forward. So Russell Wilson line looks great. 340 yards passing, 29 of 42. He was, uh, you know, he had a, the one touchdown pass, the long one to Jerry Judy, 100, 101 quarterback rating. So that, that didn't look bad. They're, they're, running they're averaging five yards per carry so yeah i'm not worried at all about the denver broncos necessarily because this was just an oddball game but they do have to clean some stuff up and look first time head coach maybe you know figure out if that's how you want to do things at the end of football games um but the one thing that was surprising to me was with the the seahawks playing those young corners that the broncos wide receivers weren't more involved in the passing game i love seeing jerry judy get that rip off that 67 yarder and you finally got to see his speed out there on the field. And that's something that, that, that is really important and uh, something that, it, you know, I'm still stock up on Jerry Judy now that he has a quarterback. And, and by the way, Drew Locke nowhere to be seen on the Seattle Seahawks side because Geno Smith won that job. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's a cavernous um, upgrade for, to go from Drew Locke to Russell Wilson. So I think they're going to be just fine on offense, but you know, 11 receptions on 12 targets for Javante Williams, the running back and only, uh, four receptions each for Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and, and not many of those early either. So I thought they could have done much more on the outside. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. Maybe it's coming. Uh, those two top receivers, Judy and Sutton, did have seven targets each, and their stat lines look okay, or the stat lines look good. But that's what's interesting to me is, you know, Wilson, as you mentioned, 29 to 42 for 340 and a touch. That's a great stat line. But the offense in general, to me, was more disjointed than this box score indicates. Yes. You know, just watching it, it wasn't flowing. It wasn't playing off one another. And I know Gino's line's not tremendous, but his QBR was better. And he may have been the better quarterback on that given day. He was. I think he was. A little bit more efficient, for sure. Yeah, 23 right. and 28. is only 195 yards passing, but the two touchdowns. And you're right. QBR was better. Quarterback rating was better. 119.5. Um, even though, you know, he didn't light it up, but it was a classic Pete Carroll game plan in a mm-hmm. Pete Carroll game there. And the Seahawks looked a lot closer to midseason ready than the Denver Broncos did. So I think once the Broncos do get midseason form, they're going to be a lot better football team. And, and if they played this game again in week eight, I think it might go a lot different. I'm, I'm sure it would. But some of these teams, and we saw the Giants and Texans, I know they tied. You sneak one out early in the year, you know, and you're kind of you know, the, the underdog wins. You know, the, the, the 16 seed beats the one seed in the first round of the, the, the tourney. <laughs> I, one thing I love about doing two daily podcasts here on the network is uh, Peacock and Williamson, we both picked the Broncos, but on Locked On 49ers, I picked the Seahawks. Oh, look at you. Playing both sides of the coin here. It's because I knew the Seahawks weren't going to tank this year. Like, it's just not in Pete. He's too good of a coach. They have some pieces, the way they're going to play. They might lose some close games, but they're going to win some close games, too. And there's going to be a lot of games like this that are kind of ugly, and they're lower scoring, and they're within a score one way or the other in the end. And, And that's why I don't have the Seahawks, you know, drafting number one overall in the 2013 draft like some people did coming into the year. Yeah, I, I think that's safe to say, and I, I probably was too hard of them on them through the offseason and some of my power ranks before we actually saw football, considering who the coach is, and it's not a total strip-down tank job, get rid of all your good players, although Jamal Adams got hurt last night, that's noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they're probably, if there's five tiers in the NFL and five's the real junk teams, they're probably a tier four team this year. We'll find out more about Jamal Adams later, probably Tuesday, uh, but on the Wednesday podcast, we'll cover what that is. Looks like a quad tendon injury could be a very long-term injury for Jamal Adams there. We do have some more information on TJ Watt and Dak Prescott injuries and what the Cowboys are saying about their quarterback position next, and then we will open up that Peacock and Williamson Twitter Tuesday mailbag next. By the way, both quarterbacks on Monday Night Football, Russell Wilson and Geno Smith, went over their prize pick projections of passing yards. So if you played those, you won some money. Prize picks is super fun and super easy to play. Daily fantasy sports pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people either. It's not some big pool of sharks that you're playing against. It's just you versus the projections available at Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport too. So now that the football week is over, you want to go look at some uh, Major League Baseball projections, or uh, we've got golf. There is college sports, men's and women's football, basketball, WNBA, esports, NASCAR. 
boxing, MMA, you name it. They have projections at prize picks so you can play daily fantasy sports every day. It is daily after all. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is super easy. Also safe and fast withdrawals when you do win, you, win yourself some cash there at prize picks. So download the prize picks app. Go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. And first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100 to play with. If you deposit 50, prize picks will give you 50. Don't forget to use promo code locked on to get that deposit match at sign up for that $100 instant deposit match at prizepicks.com. Our next partner is a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted something better to get my day started. I knew I needed some vitamins. I knew my energy levels were getting lower and lower. Too much coffee. Got my decaf right here. It's my newest daily routine because I still love to drink the coffee and I love the taste of it. So I go AG1 to give me the energy and give me the real energy with vitamins, with whole food Sourced superfoods, 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, rather than the caffeine that was giving me you know, more of a crash than, than energy these days. And if you don't have a ton of time in the morning, AG1 is perfect because uh, you can get better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system. You can get it all in one scoop of a supplement, one scoop in a cup of water, tastes great. First thing in the morning and you are done and you get all of those high quality vitamins to start your day and a ton of benefits. And it's lifestyle friendly, which is the best part. So you might be, let's say you're lactose intolerant and there's certain ways that you can't utilize to get better gut health or maybe those probiotics. You can't do the yogurt and those types of things, but you can with, with AG1. It is keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, so lifestyle-friendly for anybody, and it's a great way to take care of yourself and get you started. And a little special offer, too, from Athletic Greens. To make it easy, Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, Matt, uh, I need the update for TJ Watt because there has not been a more impactful defensive player in the NFL sans Aaron Donald over the last couple of years than TJ Watt. And I know the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers pulled one out in week one, but I have a feeling it's to be more difficult for them to pull out some of these wins the rest of the way if TJ Watt is not there. So is it a torn pick? How long is TJ Watt going to be out? Yeah, I don't have a firm answer. I mean, uh, some of this other stuff, you usually get it the day after. Here's my very educated take from some people that have told me things as well as the rap sheets and shafters of the world is I think it's much better than originally thought. Um, I did some homework as soon as this happened. I never do injury homework, but hey, it's UJ Watt. Um, you know, so I guess there's three different degrees of torn pecs, you know, and I think that people are optimistic that it's only a degree one or you know, grade one, whatever the, the best of those three are. A three always ends your season. A two is like two to four months. So it depends on the year, you know, when it happened in the year and a one is four weeks or so. And I know TJ is getting 
a second and a third opinion from outside the organization. Not that he doesn't trust the Steelers or whatever, but everyone that's been around it that I've talked to and, you know, the big time reporters and national folks seem optimistic. That's about the best I can tell you right now. I will tell you, though, I think he's better now than he was last year, which is amazing. That is amazing. And that's kind of scary for opposing quarterbacks if he does get back on the field and this pack doesn't uh, sort of derail his season. So it might linger. I don't know. You know, right. Some optimism there for TJ Watt and some optimism from Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, who said on local Dallas radio that the Cowboys won't put Dak Prescott on injured reserve, that he thinks his injured quarterback could return within the next four games. If you go on IR, you can't return for four weeks. So they're not even going to put him on IR. They think he's going to be back in four weeks. That that relayed from Adam Schefter today. And that would be quite a surprise and super optimistic from the Cowboys. And it would be great news if that was, in fact, true. But then, according to Jane Slater, uh, head coach Mike McCarthy says he's got a list of every quarterback that's available in the league in front of him. Uh, And so maybe they do need to make a move there. I get the feeling when you peel back the layers and – Jerry Jones is a businessman. Mike McCarthy's worried about winning football games and saving his job. Right. Uh, I think that it might, I might lean toward Mike McCarthy's a little bit more truthful with, with his worry about Dak Prescott than, than Jerry Jones, who probably wants Cowboys fans to continue uh, buying merchandise and buying tickets and tuning into to his team that might be in, in very big trouble for the next few weeks. But we'll find out if they actually do put him on IR or not, because if, they don't, and that means they think he truly will be back. But because I, I, that's that roster spot could be valuable, it could be needed to bring in another quarterback. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the Cowboys and this Dak situation? And do you think they should be looking hard at quarterbacks as Mike McCarthy is? Well, I believe if Jerry Jones says he's not going on IR, they're not going to put him on IR. Whether that's the right choice or not, <laughs> he's the one that's making that decision. So I assume that will be the case, whether that's a good call or not. Um, that's that being said, not that I'm some great reporter, but I trust my TJ Watt Steeler news more than I trust these feeds. You know, it just seems like they're all over the place. And, you know, to me, you nailed it in that Jerry Jones has job security. Mike McCarthy doesn't, you know, Sean, Sean Payton might be looking at what neighborhood in Dallas he wants to move into as we speak, you know, so, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff's looming. If it's only four to six, though, is it worth trading for an Andy Dalton-like guy, let alone a Mason Rudolph-type guy that might not even be an upgrade? I think you kind of grin and bear it. If it's four weeks, you definitely have to. But you yeah. also don't want to rush Dak back at, like Russell Wilson, which was I think it was a similar injury last year, right, with Russell Wilson, and he, he kind of wasn't the same. So maybe you're still bad right. here if he doesn't get healthy first, and maybe he never will be. So uh, that's yeah, that, that is a tough situation that the Cowboys are in because four weeks might be enough to do it with Cooper Rush. But how quickly could you get another quarterback in and ready to play at a high level anyway? Yeah, and again, some of them, just like the Watt thing, Najee's in this case that – you know, Godwin, Allen. Yeah, they might be back sooner than expected, but that doesn't mean they're going to be great. A question here from Lucky on Twitter, and he says, can you guys talk about how kids playing video games have better late game clock management than (laughs) head coaches do? Should head coaches play video games in the offseason to improve? Uh, uh, Should they hire my little cousin? That's actually really funny. That would be a a good way to go through in, you know, an hour's time once a week 
go through a fourth quarter scenario in a video game. Okay, because it goes fast paced. You could do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. This is how this worked. This is how this worked. Not that it actually worked like it does in real life necessarily, but you could hit a lot of scenarios very quickly. And they have a lot of smart people that are involved in these things. Uh, and it's always just a little bit. It's just you, you can't prepare for it perfectly. So you have to have all these scenarios ready and you definitely can't be doing it when you're on the sideline as a head coach trying to do everything else you have to do as a head coach. So to me, if I was a head coach, if I was a GM, if I was an owner, I would strongly recommend that all of those decisions are made from someone upstairs and not by my head coach on the sideline, Uh, even though they have the final say, if they know something, if they have a because they're always going to go in the conventional, almost always go in the very conventional sort of, you know, let's like we saw with the with the Broncos you know mm-hmm. well, at least if if we don't get this on fourth down the game's over at least we give ourselves a chance to maybe make a field goal and win a game even though the odds are against it I understand the human element of thinking it's a better choice at the time so you got to take that away from the, the coach on the sideline and you know unless it's a scenario where they feel like they have a huge advantage or a disadvantage where they're like oh well we can't get five yards so let's kick because Obviously, everything else is in a in a vacuum. So maybe you know more about your team in some of those cases. But I just don't feel like it was that case with uh, when you have Russell Wilson on the field with who can move around. You know, call your best play, get five yards, and keep that drive alive. I actually have a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm I'm not certain. Maybe someone of our listeners would know this answer for sure. That's the, it's more of a Chiefs fan. Remember, Andy Reid used to get killed for his in game, you know, clock management things like that. Mm-hmm. I think he actually put his ego to the side and has somebody in his ear that tells him what to do. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but this clock management thing with Andy Reid has gone away in the last five years or whatever. That was his big negative. Well, most coaches aren't going to do that because they're egomaniacs, and I'm not going to listen to some nerd tell me what to do because I'm a football coach and I'm, you know, the, the testosterone and all that. And they certainly should have, if I was an owner, I would say, Coach, you have the ultimate decision. But I'm going to hire a young person from MIT Carnegie Mellon and I want that person anytime throughout the game to go directly in your ears nobody else and say coach the numbers say kick a field goal here the numbers say go for two the numbers say take this time out and coach might say that's great but my left tackle has a broken ankle he's playing on and my left guard can't block Aaron Donald to save his life. So we're not going for it or it's pouring down rain or whatever. So, okay. That's why you get the veto, but let ownership know. I chimed in on his ears 10 times. He listened to me eight. The other two he vetoed. Cool. And I do think some of these young folks growing up playing video games, minds definitely work quicker in terms of, Call a timeout here, spike the ball, boom, 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 boom. But, and here's the big but, they're not in Seattle Stadium on Sunday night with a million crazy people screaming at them, and they can go hit pause and go take a leak and grab a beer and come back and decide if that's the right call or not, and their quarterback doesn't have a broken hand. You know, like, there's other things going on that's not outside of Madden. And some of these coaches are also play callers too, which adds another level because they've got to also call the play and figure out what to do with the clock management. Seems impossible. But then you have someone like Brandon Staley who's going strictly by those analytics and, yeah, right. play and playing the percentages. And if you don't get it, you're going to get killed too. So basically you're going to get killed either way. So either if you don't win the game, just, you know, you're going to be taking it from somewhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. Side note, like 
I've been doing a lot of New England homework because they're coming here this week. And we've talked about their offensive coordinators and that disaster. Well, Patricia, from what I understand, is the O-line coach and the play caller. So, he, I mean, the O-line coach has to go talk to his five big men every second he possibly can. He can't be worried about the next play. Like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard yet. All right, we got more Twitter questions uh, about the slow starts for some teams in week one. A question about, is Saquon Barkley back? What's going on with the Green Bay Packers? And more to finish up this Twitter Tuesday edition of Peacock and Williamson. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, even podcasts and scores and everything you need to make those bets, including this year's weekly lines at Bet Online. And yeah, there's the week two lines up already. In fact, you can go bet on the week 16 lines if you want to at Bet Online. Bet Online is your continued source for not just sports wagering, but information as well. So you can get all the news you need to make those bets. And they've got tons of sports, of course, Major League Baseball and NBA and NFL and tons of NFL lines, everything you can imagine there and props for the season, Super Bowl and, and uh, you know, season ending awards. Tons of that kind of stuff of, you know, MMA, boxing, golf, even esports as well, and live betting, which is super fun. So uh, it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Get over to Bet Online today. Use your desktop or mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at Bet Online, where the game starts. A lot of upsets were winners at Bet Online. This week, Matt, it was a lot of fun. It was a wacky week. We'll see if things continue to be crazy into the second week of the NFL season. Uh, one of those teams that had an oddball game and uh, looked disjointed against the another first-year head coach uh, with uh, Kevin O'Connell winning that game and the Vikings winning that game over the Green Bay Packers. Josh wants to know what's more baffling, the lack of Aaron Jones touches or the lack of Jair Alexander covering Justin Jefferson and uh, another listener, Nathan wants to know if the Packers should sign Cole Beasley to give him another veteran option for Aaron Rodgers there, a reliable slot receiver for the Packers. Not the worst idea I ever heard. I mean, someone's been around the block, knows how to read defenses, understands an NFL, you know, tempo and flow, and probably wouldn't take super long to get on page with Rodgers. Not the worst idea I've ever heard. Um, I think the lack of touches for Jones is more alarming than the Alexander thing. And I, I've brought this up a couple times since we've done this, this show, but shadowing in the NFL, it, it doesn't happen nearly as much as most of you think. You know, sometimes receivers often line up to the right and the corner is always on the left, so they think it's a shadow situation. But the problem with shadowing isn't having – Dion or Revis follow Irvin or Rice all over the field. It's the other 10 on defense have to adjust accordingly. You know, like, well, this corner just walked across the formation from the left hash to the right hash. Now my responsibilities are totally different. Like, it's hard on the other 10 when one guy on your defense is just following one dude around. And if you're not prepared for it and you only do it one week a year or something right. like that, it, it does make things more difficult. So I'm sure they'd rather just play their scheme and their defense and live that way. But when you watch the game and you watch what the uh, results were, then uh, well, I, sure. I, think that's a, I think it's a legit gripe. Um, I want to talk a little but bit they about They trust that. Stokes and the other – they have yeah. a good secondary and they, they trust the other guys as well. 
Question here about the Miami Dolphins. Hoyt says, uh, offense has really struggled in week one. Is this because so little starters played in the preseason? When do you expect it to course correct? And then he asks if the Dolphins have a top eight defense this year. I want to start with the, mm. the Dolphins question because they already had a pretty good defense under Brian Flores. And really the problem was figuring it out on offense. They get an offensive-minded head coach and fix their offensive line, and that's going to keep their defense off the field more. So, you know, for both reasons, I think the Dolphins can have a really good defense. And I'm bullish on the Dolphins this year. But again, judging by week one, I would slow your roll because they played a pretty anemic offense and we've kind of killed what's going on on the offensive side of the ball for the new England Patriots. So I think wait and see a little bit, to see actually how good that Dolphins defense is, but I think it will be good. I think it was a very easy opponent as NFL things go for, for Miami, but Miami's very unique. And I give the staff and ownership credit for, I know Flores is gone, but they're rolling it back with one of his guys. And that defense is almost always in base or dime they're they're rarely a nickel team they play a ton of dime they play the most man coverage in the league they ask the most out of their expensive corners they leave them on islands or you know just single high help and they blitz like crazy um so they are very very aggressive and i get the hunch that's going to keep up with this new staff new defensive staff um top five top ten seems a little rich you know but I love guys like Holland and Jalen Phillips, you know, like they have some, you know, Wilkins, they have some guys that people don't think about as pro bowlers that could be a lot better this year. And I definitely think the the offense is just offense is so practice, you know, you have to be here, you know, precision where defense is reactionary. I think that's why offense starts slow in the season. Real quick, Matt, Josh has a question about Saquon Barkley. This could be a oh, yes. Back. Is Saquon back? Yeah. Yep. Big time. Uh, I think we both say yes. And oh, another yeah. scenario from Ray here, we don't have time to answer it, but basically he says, uh, Bill Belichick was quoted in the offseason talking about, quote, we're going through a process. Is he going to go draft Will Anderson number one overall, get a better offensive coordinator in situation in 2023 and come back like gangbusters with $40 million of cap space? Perhaps. I mean, th- that's better than where they're at now. I like that sound, the sound of that. It is a lot better. And I'd be scared <laughs> to get, you know, their Lawrence Taylor. I don't know if he's going to yeah. be that good. Probably not. But uh, I, I wouldn't put it past that to happen. And I don't think that's his plan, though. I think he wants to win. All right. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Matt and I back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.